This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Talking Buffalo podcast, it is a five-topic Friday. Got recurring guest, my buddy Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. You know Joe, he's never one to mince his words. Always is armed with a strong opinion. Today is no different. Again, five topics. Today they include Ed Oliver getting himself in hot water, getting arrested last week in Houston. How does it affect him? How does it affect his future with the Buffalo Bills? What are we supposed to think about him right now? We hit on that. We also talk former Buffalo Bills Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. Had some pretty strong comments on CBS Sports Radio this week in regards to the Bills overtaking New England in the AFC East. Is he putting too much pressure on his former team? We talk about general manager Brandon Bean, his vision for the Buffalo Bills, his patience. How much will it pay off this year? We talk Buffalo Sabres, who even if the NHL comes back and has a 2014 playoff, it appears the Sabres will be out. That's nine straight years without a playoff. Is this organization, the relationship between them and the fans, at an all-time low? Joe and I talk about that. Also, a couple non-Buffalo things, including Last Stand's documentary that just finished on ESPN, as well as the conclusion of Season 2 of Dark Side of the Ring. Both those documentaries absolutely crushed it. Joe and I talk about them, trying to figure out which one we liked better. We'll sneak in a couple other things as well. I'm also going to tell you about a Buffalo Sabres-related podcast, a special one that I got coming over two episodes next week. Plenty more coming up. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's just get right into it. Start the show. Let's do it. Buffalo's got a spirit talking proud, talking proud. Listen up and hear it talking proud, talking proud. The good life that you share with nice people who care. It's time to tell them all we're up and standing tall. All right, what's going on, everyone? Episode 220, Talk About Flow Podcast. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. Downloading the show means a lot to me. Five Topic Friday. Got my buddy Joe on. Haven't had him in a while. What, a couple of weeks now, Joe? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, living the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> it's been, have, well, you, have, I been, have I been on since the draft? I, you have. I don't have it in front of me, but you've definitely been on since the draft. I kind of like in having you on the COVID updates. That's how I remember the last time you've been on. Last time you were on, because obviously you're in New York City, so you've been in the epicenter of this pandemic from from the start, because that's where it's been from day one in the United States anyway. So that's how I kind of remember. Last time I talked to you, it it was really shitty, but it wasn't quite as shitty as the first time I talked to you. So let's begin there. I got five topics. We might cheat, hit on a couple other things. But before we get to those, this is the way our interviews have been starting lately because of 
pandemic. And I'm always concerned about people in New York because you guys got hit by far the hardest. But how's it going on right now? How are you guys doing? Um, It's fine. I, I mean, it's better than it was before, I guess. Uh, I haven't really been watching the news as of much to know, like, okay, there's X amount of patients. It seems like it's slowed down quite a bit. Uh, but I'm still wearing a mask uh, around the area. I go for walks about once a day, you know, just to get the get the blood flowing because obviously gyms are still closed. Restaurants are still closed. But there are people outside, you know, and they're wearing masks like you don't. It's hardly no one. No one's messing around when it comes to wearing masks or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's fine. It's a lot better than it was before. I'm pretty optimistic that I think. You know, within a month, maybe early part of July, we'll get back to some sense of normalcy where there's like restaurants open, bars open, that sort of stuff. But I could be wrong. I'm not even sure, to be honest with you. It, but it's, uh, you know, I've been busy with work, so it ha- it's kind of hasn't really been on my mind as much. And I have stopped. I have stopped really watching the news because like every time I would watch the news, I would just get furious and pissed off, whether it was Trump whether it's I have to see Cuomo and his brother 20 times a day. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like, just, you know, just let me know when it's safe to like go back to the, to restaurants. Like I'm not tripping out. I'm not like yelling hashtag reopen America or, or any of that shit. You know, I'm just like, whatever, let me know when we're, when it's safe to go outside. I'm fine. I have mastered the air fryer. And if you follow me on Instagram, which maybe two of you people do, you will see that I have been posting air fryer pics of all the, gourmet foods i've been making for the last month which is awesome and i'm very proud of them and that's been the one good thing about the pandemic is i have i have cooked a lot more than i ever have before (laughs) i just looked it up because i have to look up something when i don't know it april 17th was the last time i had john so yeah it's been about a month Uh a lot of progress has been made you talked about masks first let me say this obviously down here in florida i'm gonna be honest with you so we're taping this thursday evening maybe an hour, 90 minutes or so before we started taping, I ran to Publix and I just, I got to say, and I'm talking about, I'm only speaking for Florida. You would never, if you didn't know, if you just woke up from a coma and felt perfectly fine, a a 90 day coma and you got up and you went to the store or did something, you went to a retail store because pretty much everything here in Florida is open at this point. With the exception of a smattering of masks, I don't think you would ever know that there was a pandemic going on down here. It really is business as usual to an extent. Now there's no softball leagues going on. Like if you're a softball player or a rec- volleyball player or something like that, you can't play in a league. If you like dive bars, if dive bars are your thing, they're not open yet. But I mean, the beaches are fully open. The restaurants are open to 50% capacity all over the place now, including the inside. At first, it was just outside. Now it's inside, too. In fact, on Sunday night, about three or four nights ago or so, my wife and I went out to Casa de Pizza, which is a Buffalo-based place here down here in Bradenton, Florida. The only good place you can get wings around here because the wings down here are trash. But anyway, my wife and I went. It wasn't pickup. wasn't curbside. I mean, they had those options, but it was a table to sit down. We sat down and had a good meal. I mean, and there was people in there. I mean, it wasn't packed or anything like that. Like I said, I just went to Publix and a very small percentage of people now are wearing masks down here. I don't know if it's like that in New York. I'll say one more thing too, before I ask you about masks. I have been wearing one, but I have COPD. I've said this many times on this podcast before. Breathing can get hard for me. I know people are going back and forth with masks and how effective they are, or if you should wear them or not. 
I got to say, down here in Florida in the summer heat, because it's already hot down here and in New York, it's going to get hot very soon. If you're older or if you have breathing problems to begin with, that makes you more vulnerable to these type of respiratory diseases. Wearing a mask is not going to be easy. I've almost had to take mine off already because it's too hot. Like I'll wear it inside now at the supermarket, but when I'm outside or anything like that that involves outside, it's already too hot for me to even be able to breathe when I have it on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I was, um, I mean, everyone here is wearing masks. Like it's, I, I hardly see anyone not wearing a mask on the streets. Like maybe once in a, oh, maybe once out of like 70 people, I'll see someone wear, not wearing one. But for the most part, everyone's wearing a mask. I hear you on that a little bit because like for the first about month and a half of this pandemic, I was, I was basically wearing my scarves. I had like five scarves and I was just wrapping it around my head, you know, like I was a ninja basically or whatever. I was, I looked like daredevil from the, from the daredevil series on Netflix. But uh, I was wearing that. And then last weekend it was like 75 degrees or something like that outside. And I remember I was like sweating, like, around my mouth wearing this scarf and i was like okay i have to like buy like legit masks you know like they have because i can't do this scarf thing because it's just too hot it's a scarf it's wool it's all that sort of jazz so uh you know i was wearing it and it's fine now i mean in terms of it getting hot and people you know can't handle it i I, you know i don't know i mean it's 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 one of those things where you just gotta like not be outside as much i guess you know in terms of that if your area is a high-risk area and and you know like I said, I, I don't I, – I've, I've gone past the point of being upset at people who are, uh, you know, are angry about wearing masks. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't – it doesn't bother me. I wear them, and it's like, whatever. I don't – I'm not, like, losing my, my effing mind over it. People protesting about that is just ridiculous to me. Like, it's a mask. Who cares? It's like, like you know, I feel bad for some places, like, you know – that like, you know, my, my cousin has a barbershop in Buffalo and he's not very happy right now. He, you know, he, cause he doesn't have the, he, he hasn't been open in two months, you know, and it, it sucks that his whole thing got shut down. They, you know, looking in back in hindsight, maybe they could have done something where they allowed like one person in, in the place, you know, at, at once and wear gloves and all that sort of stuff. Like maybe you could have done that instead of just cold Turkey, you know, cause it's, it is kind of weird that a barbershop can be, not essential, but getting liquor is, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, okay, or, or like a groomer for a dog. It's fine. Like, uh, okay. That's kind of, actually, I I don't know about the latter part with a groomer for a dog, but whatever. Like the point (laughs) is like, you know, you could have maybe instead of going cold Turkey, you could have maybe done a little bit better maybe of that. But at the same time, you are getting, you know, aid from the government. You're getting, if you're on unemployment, unemployment's paying you $1,100 a week now, which is, you know, you can live off of, I think, pretty handily as of now. And I know people, there's this whole sort of like liberty over, like, I, you know, I don't care about, you know, it's all about liberty and I'll, and I don't want to like, and being pissed off and you'd rather die than have like your rights quote unquote taken away, which I think is just ridiculous. Like you're just, you're losing your freaking mind. Okay. Like stop, stop it. Okay. Wear gloves, like, you know, wear gloves, wear masks. It's not the end of the world. As long as you're doing your job at home and you can leave your house with a mask on and get drinks to go, you know, going out is not it's not going to help anything out as of right now. Just listen to the doctors, what they say on TV. And it's getting look, I think it is getting better. But, you know, complaining about it and like protesting and like doing all that sort of shit. I think you're, you know, just enough. Like, shut up. okay? like you're just you just sound like demented and you're just trying to polarize it, to be honest with you. 
Let me ask you one more question. Then I want to get into our actual five topics regarding this. Do you concern yourself now? You said that you don't really watch the news much anymore, which is very smart. I'm kind of the same way because I was getting frustrated. I was watching daily updates from my governor down here in Florida, from Cuomo in New York. Of course, the press briefings, which made me want to shoot myself in the face pretty much on a daily basis, listening to those. But now that things are opening up, well, it's kind of a two-part question here. So you're in New York. So obvious, for obvious reasons, New York's been the last to open up just about with everything. And, and again, for good reasons, by far the worst numbers. Did it bother you originally watching other states around you starting to get back and opening up and doing things while you guys were kind of stuck still in a, in no. a legit quarantine? And also, do you, are you concerned that, because I've noticed this, like even down here right now in Florida, people have sat in their house for the most part. For the most part, people have listened. Now you could, the, the idiots on TV protesting aside and some other people who just didn't care from the beginning. They're like, well, this is my life and I'm going to live it the way I want, blah, 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 blah. The majority of Americans, I feel like anyway, have listened. So they've been sitting around their houses for four, six, seven, eight weeks, whatever. Now they're starting to get out. It's not like the danger is gone. It's not like the pandemic is over. It's not like everybody's safe. And people are getting back to normalcy because again, they've just, they're impatient and they're tired of sitting around doing nothing and waiting. So now people are going out as retail opens, whether it's safe or not. I think you're going to see stores open up. Now it's one thing like say in Florida where it's just so much open air. There's so many places you could go to and still be spread out. But like you live in New York City, bro. You ain't going nowhere unless you're walking in very crowded streets or you're taking a subway, which is obviously mobbed. You know what I'm saying? You kind of have that concern that people are going to, kind of run before they walk or walk before they crawl? I mean, in terms of in New York City, um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think people are very smart here. And they when you get hit, like we have here, I don't think anyone is going to like mess with it in terms of you, you've, you've had the worst. Of, we've had the worst of anyone in the country. So I don't think when the, the doors start opening, people are just going to automatically just go crazy. Like, let's do this. Like, let's just... Let's go on a, a bar crawl and get shit faced. You know what I mean? I don't. I, <laughs> right, I don't think right, it's going right. to happen right away here. I think it would probably will happen in like Buffalo, probably, which isn't hasn't had as many cases. And oh yeah, know, dude, you know, bro, Buffalo is going to have Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's yeah. Day, uh, Dingus Day. They're going to do everything in, at once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit opens yeah. in Buffalo. I mean, yeah, and that's what I think is is going to kind of happen. But like I said, look, I'm in a very, uh, you know, peaceful way right now of what's happening like i feel like it's it's gonna get better you know i i had like that month and that's six seven weeks of i want to kill everyone and and the, and like frustrations with the government and people on twitter and and the, you know whatever like fox news all those idiots but like now i'm just like look i'm just gonna wait it out i think we're i think the, we've we've reached the apex of it it's gonna get better keep listening to your government officials and 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 the, the medical people obviously too. Okay, don't, like legit ones, not Doctor freaking Phil or you know Sean Hannity or any of those idiots. You know, and and just you know hope for the best. But uh, yeah, you know that's it, that's it. Like I said, I'm not. I mean, it's I'm I'm so used to it now. Like it's been like I said, it's been almost it's been over two months. So you almost and- sound defeated, dude. You almost sound defeated. You're almost like, oh, whatever happens, happens. I'm taking my. Punches. I don't defeated. I'm just like you know uh, you know I'm just like hey I'm I'm fine with it. Look. I'm I'm going outside. I, I like my random walks around the neighborhood, which I do once a day. I walk for about an hour and a half. I have a mask on. I'm listening to to the you know to the Talking Buffalo podcast. No, no, of course not. Because I'm listening to other <laughs> other podcasts, you know, while I'm, I'm doing it. And 
you know, walking to neighbor through random neighborhood streets and that's it. And, you know, washing my damn hands and then, you know, and that's, uh, that's all it is. Look, it sucks. I like, you know, so I feel bad for those people who don't, who, you know, don't have jobs or business are shut down. But again, you know, if you're on unemployment, it's fine for now. And for those who are like tripping out about, Oh, where's this money coming from? Like if in case you haven't known, like America has been taxing everyone for like the last hundred years. And I think half the money has been going to like stupid bullshit, like space force or stupid things like we don't probably need. So I'm sure they're going to re you know, redo the budgets a little bit so they can pay for a lot of us right now. You know, if you're out of work, you know, so I, I feel like we're going to get back at some point, you know, and, um, just that's how I feel. Just reading a little bit. I mean, I, I keep up with the news on Twitter here and there, but I'm not like I don't have an IV to it like before when I was like watching it like all the time and just grinding my teeth. So yeah, we'll I hear you, man. I I'll tell you what. I decided that I'm not going to be a prisoner in my own home. I'm certainly not going to be one of these idiots you see like on TV or you know demanding to be liberated and yeah. carrying a gun and all that stupid shit. But at the yeah. same token, and I'm being as careful, and I am being careful. I'm not going to disregard the seriousness of this. But at the same token, I'm also going to try to live my life a little bit and just it's going to be what it's going to be. But anyway, so now let's kind of transition into five topic Friday here. We're going to start with Ed Oliver, Buffalo Bills defensive tackle, got arrested in Houston over the weekend. Charges of DWI and unlawful weapons charge, packing a gun, I believe it was. I want to get your thoughts on that. Obviously, that came as a pretty big, pretty disturbing surprise. And also, I want to get your take on both sides of the fan fence because obviously, you know, something like this happens and you're a, a heavy presence on Twitter. So you know what it's like. You got fans out there, mainly non-Bills fans, dude's not a culture fit or extreme Bills fans too. It's not a culture fit. He's a bad character guy. Cut him, which is ridiculous. And then you got other people who just want to brush it off Hey, he's only 22. He's young and dumb. It's a mistake. It happens to all of us. Like, it's not a big deal either. And it is a big deal. So I want to get your take on the seriousness of it and how you fall when it comes to that. Well, I think there's way more people who are like, who are brushing it off as young and dumb. Way more. I think, I don't really see that many people who are like, he's not a culture fit. Let's cut him. I think this is one of those situations. And this happens all the time on Bill's Twitter. Whenever something happens any sort of breaking news quote unquote where everyone is trying their hardest to find the the person that has a contrarian point of view and making it out to be like oh my god look at all these people who think this it's like the josh allen thing we talked about this on the last podcast about like the national perception where it's like okay how many people are there really that are like media people who don't like josh allen versus you know versus let's just find these people okay like I, I was on Twitter and I'm look, I don't, I follow like 1500 people, maybe different people are following different people, all that sort of shit. But I hardly saw anyone saying that. I saw maybe like one person like saying that in, in kind of a way. And then that person got quote tweeted by everyone. Like 20, like it was like, I think, I think what's his face? Uh, Geary like retweeted someone. And then like the same, and then another media person retweeted that. And then another, a fan with a bunch of, you know, followers retweeted it. And it's just like, okay, look, it's just like, it's like one or two different people who are like, okay, let's cut him. Okay. Like no one, like, I don't think anyone who is real and is, isn't a bot or an eggshell avatar really wants this guy cut. Okay. Like, give me a, give me an effing break. Now, if you want to dive into like different nuances of it, of like, 
hey, what if Ed Oliver was a shitty player who did not have that much up, you know, upswing or whatever you want to call it, and he was just a third string guy? Would they cut him? Yeah, yes. maybe. Yeah, you know they, you know that, and that's that's where you can sit there and go into like the. The, the nuances of the debate about it, if you want to call it a debate or whatever you want to want to do. Like I remember Alan Branch, remember Alan Branch? He got, he had an okay 2013 season and then he got arrested for a DWI and then he got cut, which I, I don't know if, I think it happened a month or two later and maybe it had nothing to do with it, but I'm sure it didn't help matters when he got cut. So, you know, he was just like a, a spot guy who was just there, you know? And like, I think that's, that's where you could kind of go into the weeds if you really wanted to have kind of a nuanced, talk about it but then i saw people were arguing those people and yelling at them it's just like i don't think it was that big there i don't think this was like a lightning rod topic where there was people who there was as many people as a lot of bills twitter likes to make out you know like again like with the josh allen stuff or with like oh everyone's against buffalo and and all that sort of stuff let's find these people and exploit them like shut up okay at the end of the day i'll just say this about this in terms of it's you know, he made a mistake. It's not a big deal. You know, he, it sucks that he, he might get a, suspe- a game or two suspension. I hope he learns from it. They're not going to cut him. I'm sure they're not happy with it. And, again, that's it. That's, that's kind of, like, how I feel about it overall, in a sense. I think it's fair to talk about the culture of the team, the type of personalities around the football team, and that what he did, obviously, well, it goes against any NFL team Sanders, obviously, but I don't think it's unfair to say had this been a nobody that the reaction in the situation might be different. I'll never forget Jimmy Johnson talking about uh, Troy Aikman. If he fell asleep during a team meeting, he'd give him a pillow. The the third string guy fell asleep during the meeting. He got cut. It's just, you know, it's, it's the way it goes in this world, but all right, fan reaction aside. And I'll say this too. If anybody who's saying the guy should be cut, if, if Ed Oliver was a defensive tackle for the Jets, Bills fans would probably be saying, ah, and get rid of him. Or vice versa, just like Jets fans are probably saying about Ed Oliver right now because he's a Buffalo Bill. I kind of feel like it goes both ways. Let me say this, too, about the culture thing, okay? And I feel like sure. we've talked about this before, but, well, what the hell? Um, the culture is all about how much you live, breathe football, how much you go to work every day, 9 to 5, clocking in, Caring about the bills, caring about not taking plays off or not doing your homework. That's what Bill's culture is. Okay. That's what they want to sell you as. Okay. It's like you're going to come in here, you're going to live, sleep, breathe football every day, you know, all that meatheaded stuff. Okay. That's what the culture is. Now, if you're in getting in trouble with the law, I don't think that really matters to them as long as they like you. Okay. As long as you're there on time and you're playing hard and you're learning, and you're not struggling. That's what they care about. Marcel Darius could have gone out to Chippewa Street every night and gotten wasted and all that sort of stuff. But the problem was he wasn't playing well, and he was paying, getting paid too much. That's why sure. he got jettisoned out of here, okay? As long as you're doing your job on the field, I don't think they're going to sit there and go, oh, this culture, like, how could this guy get arrested and, and all that sort of stuff. Like, what the hell is that going to do? Like, do you think there's going to be players in the locker room, like, distracted by this? Like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? Like, they, they, what, if, the, if the media was there now and this was mini camp, which I think we would be in right now or whatever the hell it's called, OTAs, you know, they would ask, well, what do you think about this? Oh, we, we have to rally around him. Okay, story's over. 
That's it. That, that, the culture is that, okay? If you know how to play football and you give a shit and you're caring for it and you're studying, they'll take you even if you're getting in trouble with the law. That is my opinion. There are players that they have in this roster that have gotten in trouble, okay? Deion Dawkins got in trouble when he was in college. Um, who else got in trouble? Like, we're there. Like, you know, Zay Jones got in trouble last, you know, what it was, a year and a half ago. He's running around naked. And, I mean, and what happened? Did they did they, did they, they discipline him for running around naked, uh, you know, for whatever, like, whatever the rumors were that he was doing? No. They got rid of him when he sucked. You know what I mean? That's just how it is in football. So the culture thing, you got to separate the culture thing. The culture thing is all about you come into work, you care about the bills, you live, sleep, breathe, crap. Whatever the bills, that's what they care about. If you get in trouble while you're doing this, that's fine. If you get in trouble and then you're you're oversleeping your team meeting because you're hungover, that's a problem. The end. I agree with everything you said. The one thing I would like to add, though, is what I don't like are people. And I always me and you say Twitter because we're always on Twitter a lot. But it's not just Twitter, man. It's Facebook. It's probably well, I can't say bar conversations because ain't nobody at a bar right now. But conversations amongst friends. I hate when people say, well, he's 22 years old. We've all been there. We've all done that. You know what? Don't compare yourself to Ed Oliver. If Patrick Moran goes out and gets a DWI and uh, a weapon charge, whatever Ed Oliver's got going on, nobody gives a shit. I mean, my wife will give a shit. My kids will give a shit. Potentially, my oh, my boss might give a shit. In this case, he wouldn't because I work from home anyway, so I don't worry about driving or any of that stuff. But nobody cares. This dude is rich. An organization is investing millions of dollars in him. He's a very important player on this team. He's literally a millionaire. He's recognizable. He's famous. I'm sorry, but don't hold my standards or your standards and Ed Oliver's standards the same because they're not the same standards. He's a first round pick. He's an NFL player. He's got to hold himself to a higher standard than the average Patrick or Joe or whoever on Twitter who's saying, oh, it's no big deal. I've done it. We've all been there before. I don't believe in that shit. That bothers me. And then the last thing too, is this is a league disciplinary matter now. He could get two, even three games for this. That hurts his football team. That might hurt the team at the end of the year when it comes to having the best record in the division, which we'll talk about in a minute. So there's a lot of consequence that comes with it. And I don't buy the whole, again, he's just like us and we all make this mistake. You got, you got to have a different standard when you're in the NFL. And he's not the only player in the league who gets in trouble. It, unfortunately, it happens all the time but he's got to have a higher standard than you and I do. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know how wasted he was when he was driving. I mean, eh, look what he's he in, in the video, man. I mean, I'm, I'm giving an opinion here. I'm being judgmental and uh, I don't know for don't a know. fact, but I watched the video. He looked like he was at like nine o'clock at night and he was, didn't look like he was in good shape, man. I, I, I would I, trust I, me as a drinker. I could tell too. I always would think like in Texas having a, a, a gun and having an open beverage container in your car was how they, they drive around down there, especially in Texas. Well, so, uh, the, the uh, report says he was weaving in and out of lanes, meaning going fast or he was either hammered or he was speeding. And either, again, either case you're at Oliver, I mean, man. Like, you, sure. You like, don't, look, look, don't do it again. Fine. But I don't think I'm not going to get on my soapbox and be, and be as agitated as you are when it comes to those That's saying, fair. those saying like, don't put me in the same boat as like Ed Oliver in terms of being young and dumb. I mean, it is, I mean, it is, it is what it is for now. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully it doesn't happen again. I'm not losing sleep over it. And you know, I, I, I was irritated enough when this happened and like everyone was 
everyone on Bill's Twitter was trying to find people who wanted him cut. I, I'm telling you, that's what was going on. And I was like, who are, these, <laughs> who are these people? Like, there's like one person and then like everyone, let's quote tweet them to say like, how dare you? And then we'll, we'll relish all the likes, you know, and favorites and RTs. That's a fair point. As long as he can stay clean and don't happen again. I, I'm with you that. I agree. All sure. Right, next topic here. So Buffalo Bills, Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly. Put some pressure on the Bills to win the AFC East this week. He was on CBS Sports Radio and said about the Bills winning the division, and this is a direct quote from Kelly, if they don't, then something's wrong. Tom Brady is not there to block you anymore. So to me, that's huge. I guess the questions I got to ask is, should the Bills be favored right now to win the East? Should the attitude be, until you beat them, the Patriots are still the Patriots? And should arguably the team's biggest ambassador and most famous player in history be kind of labeling the Bills as the AFC champs or bust for 2020? Do you think he's unfairly putting pressure on this team? Do you think he's doing the right thing? Because he is pretty opinionated. All right. Well, let me start with the last part. I cannot give a rat's ass what Jim Kelly says about the current Bills. I, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was ready. I was because you were going to put that in there. I know because I, <laughs> I have not cared for the last 20 years, I have, I don't know why. Like, it's just, it's hysterical to me. It's hysterical to me. Like, Jim, I, like, I, we can make things up. Like, we can talk about how Jim Kelly's going to help quarterback X learn the no huddle offense, or like they bring him out to OTAs to meet Josh Allen or EJ Manuel. All this crap. Like, I, I just can't handle it anymore. Like, I just don't. Yo, as like, the quote was coming out, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, Joe is going to have fun with this topic when I ask him about it. Go I ahead. Just, just like every time. Like, I don't know why. Like, no one, no one cares when Thurman Thomas talks about it, even though he's on One Bills Live, like, once a month or whatever the hell he does. Like, no one says says anything about his quotes about the current team. But, but Jim, oh, we got to stop. Look at breaking news. Like, he thinks they're going to be the contenders in the AFC or – Whatever. I, I just don't get it. I'm just like, whatever. Uh, in terms of your other, what, what he says, yes, I do think they're the favorites in the division as of right now. It makes sense. They made the playoffs last year. Okay, the other team that made the playoffs are the Patriots. The Patriots don't have their best player anymore. And they're, I don't even, I've already forgot who their quarterback is. It's Hoyer or some some jerk off that I've never heard of. Jared, Jared Stidham. Should yes. the Bills be should the Bills perceive themselves as favorites though? Not me and you. Me and you saying the Bills are favorites, that's fine. Should the Bills themselves No, of course not. No. Well, that's what Jim's no, because, doing. Well, Jim's not Jim's just being I don't know. Jim's just I think he's giving his reasoning for why he thinks they're going to be number 1 or be you know, be the class of the AFC East. I think with the Bills themselves, look, McDermott has them so humble. And like they are kissing everyone's asses. Okay, if it's not the the, it's the Brandon Breen has said it a, a copious amounts of times in the last couple of months, like they're you know they're still the Patriots. I we gotta respect them, and I'm sure McDermott is telling all of those guys the same damn thing on Zoom conference calls. Okay, they're gonna be doing that until the end of time because that's just how they are. Like they're just the humblest, you know, milk drinking. Like they will not talk trash about anyone at all. Okay, so I don't think it's going to put pressure. I don't think what Jim Kelly says is going to be added pressure to what the hell the Bills have to give. I mean, the, the Bills players probably don't even know when Jim Kelly's on the on TV. It's, it's us on Bills Twitter and the Bills media who has to talk about whenever he opens his mouth. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. but anyway, no, like, look, I mean, I, I don't look the the Patriots. 
I don't know what's going to happen with them going forward. Like, I think it depends what the quarterback does. Look, they did go to 11 and five with Matt Castle 10 years ago. Obviously, it was a different era. They went three and one with Jacoby Brissett and uh, Garoppolo. What was it? 2016, I think it was. Um, you know, they were three and one. So they could still make some moves, like, and not be a, a, an epic disaster, you know? But, like, you know, they they could be in that seven eight win range easily. So you know, whatever. I think it makes sense for the Bills to be the favorite. Just again, based off you get the you get Stephon Diggs. You added you had a good draft. You got some other free agent parts. You know, you you're ten and six. You made the playoffs last year. I mean, it's not like it's not like they're like seven and nine, and it's like well, they should be the favorites because they finished seven and nine or eight and eight or whatever. Like you know, if it was like three years ago with Rex, you know, you don't probably say that. But yeah. You know, I, I think it's okay. And, uh, you know, even if Jim Kelly's saying it, you know, yeah, I think it's fine that that you can label them as, like, you know, the contender, the the, the, the leading candidate to win the division in the, in the, in the AFC. Because you know what? Bill Polian – or Bill Polian. Bill Belichick has said this numerous times over the years. He talks about how you're not the, you're not the defending champion. You're not defending anything. You're starting from scratch. And that's kind of how I view it as, like, it doesn't matter what the Patriots did in the past. It's a new season, and it's a new team, practically, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the Bills should and will end up being favorite in the division. I, I think the sentiment might be, for some people, though, is that, hey, until you beat the champ, they're still the champ. I can understand that, too. I, I think some people might have just been taken a little bit aback by the fact that Jim Kelly was pretty much saying, well, if you don't beat the Patriots, then there's a problem. But again, people like you or I, and especially you in this case, Jim Kelly says so many things that it's like, whatever, man, just <laughs> it rolls yeah, off, rolls off easily, the tongue and it's we, whatever. Yeah, we could easily make, I could make a, 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 a 500 word post about every time Jim Kelly came out to open his mouth about player X or this team and how like I, I can recall all of those instances, but I cannot recall like Bruce Smith talking about the bills or, or, or Bennett or Jim or Thurman Thomas or anyone else. But Jim, he's, he loves that microphone, man. And they, and they love putting the microphone in his mouth so he can, he could talk about the bills and everyone talks about it. Um, but that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't like, I'm not as outraged by this. Then by other stupid things like he's helping EJ Manuel with the K gun or like he's <clears throat> talking like I remember he talked smack about Tyrod once when Tyrod was the, still the starting quarterback. Like they need to get a franchise quarterback like and he's a he's a Bills employee. Jim, in case anyone doesn't know, like he's like an ambassador for them. So like this is on the this is very low on the shut the hell up Jim Kelly list of football takes, <laughs> but it's still there. It is still there. All right, let's move on. Next, Brandon Bean. Okay, so he was on the Pat McAfee show this week, and Pat praised him for building the Bills through patience and calling them a model for what other teams around the league should do. Let me play that clip, then I'll get a reaction from you. Here's a clip. How has the patience been in building your team? And last year, make a playoff run. I assume it's going to go to the next step. But the Buffalo Bills are a picture of patience in a world now in the NFL that doesn't have a lot of patience and seems like it's paying off. Yeah, you got to give our owners, Terry and Kim, uh, obviously a lot of props. You know, Sean got here a few months before I did, but uh, laying the vision out was, um, listen, we're going to make some necessary moves in 17. Uh, we're going to try and win because, you know, you want to build a winning culture. And I just don't believe in, you know, the, the, the word tanking or, or whatever you want to throw out there. So 
obviously we were trying to win. Uh, did I think we were going to get in the playoffs that year? No, I probably wouldn't have bet on that. Uh, but, you know, Tyrod and that group, Kyle Williams, you know, we, we snuck in the back door. We got some help uh, by the Bengals beating the Ravens on the last game and slide in. And what a fun thing to end a 17-year drought for our fan base. But uh, that's what made 18 really hard was making all these necessary moves. Um, but but we were able to acquire, you know, enough draft picks for, for Josh Allen. Uh the 18th season, we had over 50 million of dead money. So uh, obviously, that hurt Sean, uh, you know, McDermott and our staff's chance, knowing that 50 million dollars of players that we're not competing with out there. But uh, if you're patient and you can, and you can build it, and that's the thing I've said. If I get a gig, to your point, Pat, uh, we're going to lay it out and we're going to do it the way we want to do it, and we're not we're not adjusting whether we won the Super Bowl the first year or whether we didn't win a game. The plan was. We're going to get rid of this cap, acquire draft capital, find a franchise quarterback, and then build it from there. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we got other things to get to as well, but what's your take on Brandon Bean when you hear a clip like that? Because my first thought is this guy is somebody who's kind of covered the team and just paid a lot of attention to GMs through the years, whether it's the Bills or others. He's one of the more transparent general managers that I can remember. He's a very honest person. I, I think he gives you more than the average general manager does when it comes to whether it's being interested in players or plans and stuff like that. I don't feel like he's blowing a lot of smoke up people's asses. I love what he said there, whether they won the Super Bowl or whether they went winless. He had a plan and he was sticking to it. I'm really become, you know, we're always divided on Twitter or social media or just amongst our friends when we talk about the bills with certain things, but at this point, I have a hard time understanding why anybody would not be very much pro Brandon Bean. Do you agree with that? I'm not as super pro Brandon Bean as you are, and I'm going to tell you why. First, I, I think he's I, – I get what his vision was. He wanted to clear a bunch of people out. He did not like a lot of the players he inherited. It's abundantly clear. Like, he got rid of Sammy. He got rid of Darby. He got rid of <clears throat> Tyrod. He got rid of a lot of guys. Okay, and fine. That was your vision. I get it. However, this is where he kind of rubs me a little bit of the wrong way. He kind of gaslights a lot of stuff like the 50 million dead cap. Like, dude, you did that half of that. We've talked about this before. It's documented on a few different articles on Twitter. And and if you Google it or if anyone wants, you know, at me and I'll send you the article where Brandon Bean screwed, like added dead cap to their cap. Like it wasn't like he inherited it. He added it to that because he didn't want a lot of these guys. So when he's acting like he's like Tom Donahoe, who just came into a salary cap mess, and he's like, shit, this is what I got to deal with. He did a lot of – he did some of it himself. Okay, so, like, I don't like him doing that sort of stuff when it comes to acting like, oh, I inherited this $50 million in dead cap. No, no, you did not. Okay, you didn't. Okay, that's a fact. You did a lot of it because you did not like a lot of the players – you inherited. And some of those players, he's right. He, you know, Marcel Darius, bloated contract. I wasn't really for when he moved on from him, but in hindsight, it was the right move. And he did, he has done a lot of different right moves in terms of that. But like, he did that to him. You know, he did that because he just didn't like the players. And the second part, look, I'm not going to sit here and say like tanking is not in his vocabulary or whatever the hell he wants to talk about. But hold on, backtrack before, before we get to the tank, he's, you just said he does a lot of, didn't like a lot of his players, but is that necessarily a bad thing? 
That could be a good thing. He looked at this roster. He goes, these guys suck. I can't win with them. That's fine. But at the same time, he he's acting like he inherited all this dead cap. He didn't. True. He decided right. to do that. I don't like when he's adding like he he inherited all of this. You know, that's, it kind of rubs me a little bit the wrong way. And that's just a small little part of it. Okay. Like, it, I know some people may not care and I understand that. But t- I don't I, I don't think he inherited like a disastrous roster like he's trying to make it out to be. They were seven and nine when he got when he got the, the team. Okay. There was talent on that team. Okay. He did, wasn't inheriting like the, the 2009 Dick Duran team that had like, you know, Dwan Edwards and bullshit like that. You know, so but I understood his plan, but just don't don't act like you you came and you you raised Titanic from the grave. Okay, it wasn't it was it was it was not a bad roster. Now, if you want to say it was bad internally with Rex Ryan and with Russ Brandon and Doug Whaley, sure. Okay, but the roster itself, I don't think was that was that horrific, you know, in terms of what he inherited. Now, that's just my opinion, and like I said, the piece that I just referenced to does say that. And the other thing, too, with the tanking thing, look, they did want to take a few steps back in 2017. Okay, they got rid of a guy. The trades they made were so they could get draft capital for the next season so they can go and trade up to go get the whatever quarterback they want. Okay, they want it to be somewhat bad. So I, I, when he says, like, uh, like, he gets all defensive about that, like, save me. You know, come on. Like, is it a full-fledged Sabres tank from from five years ago? No. Okay, but, like, Come on, like it's just, it just gets nauseating to me sometimes. And again, I think he's a, he's a good GM. Like I, I think he's done a lot of good things. But like when he talks in public, I don't know. There's this this and this is just me. And I understand if someone asks me or send, you know send your hate tweets to me, and I'll sit there and go, yeah, you're probably right. When he talks in public, I just feel like I'm I'm listening to just a very a salesman who like knows his audience. He's gonna talk about how much he loves the area and buffalo proud and chicken wings and like how much he you know be defensive about like antonio brown not coming here all this sort of stuff and i'm just kind of like okay dude like i get it like i know eight out of ten bills twitterites are gonna love you for that and i'm just like i don't know there's something that just doesn't it just doesn't seem sincere to me but again this is just a small portion of my feelings on him i do think he's a good gm he has done what he wanted to do he has laid out a lot of these he did do, you know it is weird for me to like bitch about him bitching about the cap because I, I got what he got he wanted he wanted to get rid of all these players he wanted a four-year plan where he can he's got all this cap space and bringing his own guys he did a very good job of it but just sometimes he tends to act like he he inherited like a dead animal here and i don't think he did Okay, and that's fair. And we'll also say that it would also be fair to say, sure, he's built a great roster, but how many playoff games have they won with Brandon being his GM? Now, before you can be considered a great GM, before someone can even put you in the same paragraph, let alone sentence as somebody like a Bill Polian, how about you win a playoff game first? So that line of thinking, I totally understand. Having said that, again, I really like the way this team is being built found a way to build a, a much improved, and this is one of the more impressive things to me. The Bills have, a, a, at minimum, a decent offensive line, and they went out and spent a lot of money on Mitch Morse, but the rest of that line is rookie contracts or cheap veteran pickups. Very cheap offensive line. I love the way that, and it is, and Brandon Bean deserves a lot of credit for this. He did have a plan. We all knew he was going to get a quarterback. We just didn't know which one. 
He maneuvered around to get Josh Allen. We'll see how it plays out with him. Not just that, though. He knew he needed a quarterback for the defense. And nobody talks about the way he traded up to get Tremaine Edmonds, who going into year three might become a Pro Bowl linebacker. He did that in one offseason with two rookies. So he built the quarterbacks on both sides of the ball. Like I said, a good offensive line. The cap is in great shape because now when somebody's payday comes up, like say Tredavious White, the Bills, should they decide to, and I don't see why they ever wouldn't, they can make him the highest paid corner in the NFL and they don't have to get rid of three guys to do it. They don't have to sacrifice the future to do it. Now they have a smaller window because guys like Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds and even sooner than that, Milano, Dawkins, these guys are going to be getting paid soon. Can't keep them all. So we'll see over the long term what kind of roster management he has. But he has done, he's built this team well. I get what you're saying. It does yeah, sound a little bit, it's, it sounds like a little bit showman, shippy, the Antonio Brown thing. Right. And look, I, I agree with you. He's built a very good roster. Obviously, a lot comes down on Josh Allen. Like, if he's, he's, he's the straw that stirs that drink. Right. Yeah, he has done a lot of good things. I just, at times, though, when he speaks, I don't know, man. He just he kind of rubs me as a, a kind of hubris. And again, it's a small, minute thing. He could be hubris all he wants. He, he, you know, if he's winning games, he can he could he could he can send me dick pics, okay? And I'll be like that bastard. But he he's a good GM. <laughs> like, but like he could do whatever. Like, fine. Like these are just small little. Like I, I'm not I'm not kissing the Brandon Bean's ass. Like I, I I you know get to the next step, buddy. You know, and then we can we then I'll start really kissing your ass. You know, because I, I've, I've seen enough with like whether people, Bills fans and even like media people will fall in love when there's progress in anything. Like people were saying the same thing about Doug Whaley, his third year or Buddy Nixon, like a couple of his years, like, you know, in terms of acquiring talent. And then, oh, I love how he talks or whatever. And then like, you know, it's been good it's, the last it's been a good run so far. But like, let's not I, I'm not into like his Bill Polian 2.0 or. You know, your boy Sully always likes to fucking compare him to Bill Polian. I don't know why he doesn't. He does it all the time with every GM. Like, he looks like Bill Polian, like pulling out of his ass from like the 80s. But again, like, uh, you know, I I like I I, I get his plan. I enjoy it. I understand it. Uh, But, you know, I don't know when he talks. Sometimes it's just just kind of like, all right, dude, like I'm 40 years old. You know, enough with the showmanship shit. Okay, like. Do it when you, when you win, like when you win playoff games and you're like really like we know like we're about to invar- embark on like a six-year run of like excellence or whatever. Then you can be more of a hubris prick. I get it to an extent. because It is, it is because the Bills are good. Conversely, if if he was a GM of the Sabres and they're playing like they are, you would be like, dude, shut the fuck up. Win some games, no matter what you try to say. We're going to talk Sabres in a few minutes. So I do get that. Before we talk Sabres, though, Next topic, a non-Buffalo sports topic because it's been kind of dominating TV lately. Uh, Last Dance, the documentary, the 10-part series that aired on ESPN, that just wrapped. And The Dark Side of the Ring, which is only for wrestling fans, which you and I both very much are. Season two of that just wrapped up as well. Obviously, those shows could not have come at a better time with COVID, sports being shut down. So there's not shit on TV to watch and there's not a lot of places that we can go to. So you're stuck at home, you're watching TV. These came out at the perfect time. They both did very well in the ratings and they were both received very well. I know we both liked them. Uh, Let me start by asking you this and then we'll talk a little bit. We'll spend a few minutes talking about each of them. But before we talk about them specifically, of the two, which did you actually enjoy more? Hmm. 
It's tough because I really liked them both, and I know you did too. Uh, I would say Dark Side of the Ring. And I'm going to tell you why. Look, when I watch a documentary, a sports documentary, I want to be told a story that I have not heard of. Not only that, I want to see a story in its presentation that's different than what I've seen. Okay, I'm a, I, I work in television, you know, and, you know, I, not to toot my own horn. And, and I'm always, I have a critical eye when it comes to watching anything on TV. More critical than normal people probably do. So The Last Dance for me told me, it was, it was entertaining, it was fun, but it did not tell me anything really ground, groundbreaking new. Like, all these stories, I lived through it. I watched Jordan through all of the 90s. I knew all of this stuff because, not just because I lived through it, but because there's been so many different documentaries about, like, the pieces throughout Michael Jordan's career. Like, 30 for 30 already had a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys one, which talked about Michael Jordan, the Bulls, and all that sort of stuff, like, not shaking his hand at the end. Jordan was in that documentary. So I knew all that story even going into that. And it's like the, they said the same shit. And then, like, you had the Dream Team part, which was in one of their episodes, which, again, NBA TV did a Dream Team, like, two-hour manifesto about it recently. That was really good. And I saw it. So I'm just kind of like, okay, tell me something different. You know, there was the pizza thing, which I actually never heard of that, but I guess that story has been around for a while now because my one friend who's a bigger NBA fan than I am is like, oh, yeah, that, that's the story that's been around for a while now. I thought I was going to watch 10 straight episodes of the 98 season behind the scenes, the locker room, following Dennis Rodman to a club or who the hell knows. I thought it was going to be like the camera was following them around, like it was going to be like rock star, docky style. That's what I thought. And it wasn't at all. It was each episode had like three timelines, which was like Michael Jordan's timeline, going back through all the championships timeline, and then present day timeline, which was probably about 15 minutes worth of stuff in every episode. And the only thing that kind of manifested for me was that behind the scenes stuff. Like, you know, the, the Jerry Krause, like fat jokes or that, that guy, that guy with the crazy hair who was a security guy or like him threatening to beat up Scott Burrell. Those are what kind of resonated with me. And they weren't even that good. You know, I was hoping we were going to see like the Steve Kerr, like they, they somehow had the Steve Kerr, Michael Jordan fight, which I heard about. I knew about that when that happened and throughout they've talked about it ad nauseum, but like, that's what I wanted out of the, out of the last dance. I wanted it to tell me something new. I wanted the presentation to be different. You know, then talking head talks, and then we go to B-roll of, like, footage. I enjoyed when they when Michael Jordan – the best part about it, aside from the behind-the-scenes stuff, which was in, like, 1998, was when Michael Jordan would look at, like, people's interviews. That's, what, that's when it was great. because And that's something that was a new, a different presentation of doing a sports documentary. It was him looking at interviews of what Isaiah Thomas said or what – Gary Payton said, and having Jordan's reactions were classic. Like, I could have watched that the whole time, then go back in time into, like, another timeline and go, okay, yeah, I know all of this. And I say all of that because Dark Side of the Ring told me things I never heard of, heard of before. I didn't know anything about, about Owen Hart's, like, the one we just saw, the Owen Hart one, where the clip was, like, a six, was a clip for a sailboat or whatever the hell that had, like, six pounds of pressure on it. Never knew that. Never knew that Martha Hart had it still. I never knew about that, that, that promoter, Herb Abrams, who had, like, 
cocaine and was like basically he was like Wolf of Wall Street of wrestling. Like and I and then I enjoy how they tell the story where they have like recreations which are really good and like unique and different. That's what resonates to me cuz I'm a savvy person when it comes to sports documentaries that I know about like these I know a lot about wrestling. You know that, Pat. I know a lot about that 90s Bulls run cuz I watched a lot of their games, watched a lot of basketball, I watched a lot of you know basketball documentaries. So that's what I look for when I see that. So yes, I thought Last Dance was entertaining. It was fun. I would not say it was the best sports documentary ever. I, I know. I think you tweeted that out. I would disagree with that. Um, but yeah, sorry. I just took a long ass winded answer, and you probably fell asleep. So that's <laughs> that's kind of my my take. I agree. I'm glad you went this route, and I did tweet that. And you know what? I wish I could take that back. I don't you like deleting tweets. Well, no, because I don't. Because it's not a take. I think it was one of my, and I'm known for this. I'm a knee-jerk reactor sometimes sure. because I agree with what, with what a lot that you just said. Now, let me say this too. We could sit here like many other podcasts or people talking about everything that we liked about these shows forever, but I've already heard them all a million times. You talked about what you didn't like about The Last Dance. There were two things specifically that I didn't like. And again, there was a lot I liked and there was some stuff. Like I didn't know about Steve Kerr's father. I thought that was really cool. I thought the whole Steve Kerr stuff was really cool. But the two things I didn't like is A, I don't like the fact that everything went through with the series, which was very obvious. If you didn't know it, I mean, you, people knew it, but even if you didn't, you would know just by watching everything went through MJ. Nothing sure. in that documentary was aired that Michael Jordan did not allow. It kind of painted him in one side, you know, as this tough guy leader, but there's a lot of players out there who said the guy was an asshole and, and not a good teammate. Horace Grant just this week had beef with him because Michael Jordan basically called him a snitch during the documentary. Horace Grant saying, yo, don't throw hands with them over shit like that. I didn't like that. And then the other thing I didn't like, and this, and again, this is as a big basketball fan, because I'm a big basketball fan. So that's one of the things I did like about this documentary, because if nothing else, it did take me down memory lane. I loved the NBA during this time. But anyway, Gary Krause throughout this documentary, while giving some credit for being the GM and building the team, wasn't given enough credit. He was ridiculed a lot. And sure, ultimately, his ego was the reason why the team broke up and they didn't get to go for a seventh ring. He wanted to get rid of Phil Jackson. He wanted to start over and do it without Michael. He wanted to do it on his own. So ego got the better of him. But he should have gotten a lot more credit than he did for building this dynasty that was the Chicago Bulls. Because no, he didn't have Jordan. Jordan was came in the league before Krause went to Chicago as GM. But Dude, he did everything else, man. He traded up to get Scottie Pippen. He drafted Horace Grant. He traded for Bill Cartwright. He traded for Dennis Rodman. He picked up role players like Steve Kerr and uh, defensive guys like Bill Wennington and Luke Longley. This guy built this fucking team. He was the architect of this team. And I feel like too often throughout the series, he was portrayed as this villain and not given his just due. And the shitty part is that he's not alive to defend himself. He died in 2017. So it doesn't matter anyway, because Jordan probably wouldn't have let him say anything for the documentary to begin with. So yeah, those and were I, a couple I, things I didn't like. And I think, I think Reinsdorf kind of got off easily, the owner, because the owner could have easily stepped in and told Jerry Krause, like, you know, you know, shut up. Okay. We're, we're bringing this back again. I think this is me freestyling. I think Krause at that time didn't want to pay because he was paying a lot for all those guys. Like Jordan was making 30 million a year. Phil Jackson was making 10 million a year. Like this is like, 
those numbers are even big today. Yeah. You know, in sports. Like it was bigger then. Like think of an inflation. That team was yeah, and that team was toast, bro. And when they won that last ring, they were toast. Pippen well, they, they was have grossly not, underpaid. Yeah. Rodman was shot. But, but, that's, but that's the thing. Like that's where I think Reinsdorf gets off. Reinsdorf could have easily just said, hey, I'm going to give you a new contract to Scottie Pippen. He was the one that, like, was a dick about it. So that's why I kind of think he got off a little bit where Kraus was the villain, where I think Reinsdorf was kind of a little bit of the puppeteer with, sure. with Kraus a little bit. You know, but, sure. you know, I, I, I do think they could have made a run the next year because, because it was a lockout, because it was 48 games. The East was really weak, weak that year. Like, the East, if you remember, the Knicks – were the eighth seed and they went all the way to the finals that yep. year. And I think it would have been this, it would have been, let's just say the bulls went through the East. They would have played against San Antonio, you know, and this is with Tim Duncan's coming out party. It would have been an interesting series, but you know, I, I felt maybe the, yeah, they did leap cross bad. They did. It was definitely Jordan did all that. You know how Jordan kept watching everyone's clips in essence. They probably, if you wanted to really be fair, they should have had like Horace Grant re- watch Jordan's clips. When Jordan says, like, oh, yeah, Horace Grant was the leak back in the Jordan Rules, that book that they had in 90, which I actually have, which is a great book, uh, they should have showed Horace Grant that. Like, hey, by the way, Michael Jordan thinks you're the rat. So he could say, F that, I wasn't the rat, which he did recently, you know, in terms of that. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's – and one thing, too, I'll say this, like, for people who don't know, Jordan, like, now is a super interesting person in terms of what he says about his – about the players he played against the players he played with, like he is just a cutthroat asshole right now. Like he is like about that. He was never that way ever on the microphone during that era. He was as polished and nice, very Tom Brady esque where he was like, Oh yeah, you know, I respect everyone. I like this, this team. I like this person. I like this. I like that. And then when he was on the field, he or the, the, the court, he was a killer. You know, so I, I kind of wish they would have kind of talked a little bit because I was like a lot of people. I remember that because Jordan had so many endorsements. So he wasn't going to about to rock the bo- boat and tell player X to get, you know, this in the uh, interview setting. Like now he does it because he doesn't give a shit because like he's the, you know, he's great and he's retired and all that sort of stuff. But again, it was entertaining. It was fun. I, I think they could have done. I would have rather had more behind the scenes stuff about the 98 season than going back in time and doing two different timelines. It was fun. But uh, I still, look, I thought Dark Side of the Ring, I'd rather talk about that. I thought that whole thing, the episodes were great. The Ben Wass episode was awesome. It's just it's just such great storytelling. They don't have a huge budget. I mean, it's Vice, and I know budgets pretty well. Vice is not a giant network, you know, where they're, they're, they're handing out cash. It, like, blank checks like ESPN or NBA TV definitely did with this one. And they tell such a great story, and it's fun. There's, there's like, there's also that element of I think wrestlers are much better storytellers than athletes are. Like in a, in a, in a and because through the most part, let's be honest, like an, a wrestler, they cut promos for a living. They're, they're in the moment, and they know they how. To. That's what they do. They talk. Yeah, they talk. Like Jim Cornette, as a talking head, is much better than you know, whatever, whoever the expert, like, you know, Adam Schefter, we'll just say if they put him on like an, an ESPN show or something like that for a docu-style show, he's much better at that. You know what I mean? Like, they're just better at that and talking. So I'll tell you, I, I ended up concluding after watching the finale of uh of the wrestling documentary that that it was the better one to Dark Side of the Ring. 
the Owen Hart one, the finale this week, that that brought back a lot of memories. Like you said, I didn't know about the the clip thing either. Oh, uh, the suing, the suing thing. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah. I didn't know Vince sued her. I didn't know that at all. No, nope, like, I didn't know that either. That uh, is, New Jack was messed up. Uh, the brawl for it all, I completely forgot that that pretty much ruined Steve Williams' career. Mark Gunn, yeah. that that messed up a lot of people's career. Jimmy Snook, I never realized that he was such a cokehead. I mean, let's just be frank here. That's what the guy was. He was a drug addict. Dino Bravo, another guy messed up. The Herb Abrams one, I didn't care so much about. I didn't know the Road Warrior. I didn't know Road Warrior Hawk was as fucked up as he was either. No, I knew Road Warrior Hawk was fucked up. Everyone, I knew that back in the day. They talked. That's I didn't why know they did to that, that extent. That, that's why they did that angle. I, how did you not like Herb Abrams? I thought that was the best one because it was yeah, such. It a, just oh, no. didn't do anything. I know it was. It was over the top. It just didn't do anything for me. I didn't even mention Chris Benoit. By the way, the two parter. That was yeah. the best one of the whole series. I mean, that was. Yeah. Man, that brought back a really dark time for wrestling. And I mean, just it, sure. it was just such messed I mean, up shit. We could have a whole episode just on that, that one episode alone. We could do a whole podcast on that if we wanted. Yeah, five people would listen to that. But no, yes, we could we could tell, but like Herb Abrams, I like because I never knew anything about the guy. And like right away, it's like, oh, he is like he's like Scarface of wrestling, where it's like, oh, he's got drugs, he's got porn, and he's got prostitutes and it's like all the stories were fun and like i always liked mick foley's end bite when the when the creator was like you know what would what would her be doing today if he was still alive and and mick foley goes with his dry wit like he'd be doing time <laughs> like and, and i got i crack up like thinking of that so but yeah it was it was it was it was good stuff you know it's, it, it really was and it came at a time where i feel like like i said again with not much to do that fans really needed something that they could really latch on to all right, so the last topic is the Sabres. But before that, real quick, like honorable mention, I don't want to say topics because we're not really going to talk about them, just things in passing. Cam Noonan's still without a team. Do you give a shit? Um, do I give a shit? Like, it, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I don't I don't get it really, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like he should be an NFL starter right now. And there's no there's no spots. He's gonna have yeah, to wait until someone yeah, gets hurt. That's what it looks like. Yeah, but I don't think if I was he, I think he's going to do the Gronk, which is he's going to stay out this year, chill out, and if an opening comes up, you know he's going to go take that because he doesn't, he doesn't, he shouldn't be a backup quarterback. Like I agree. I, he's, agree, I mean it's 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 definitely weird. Like I, you're right. Like in terms of going through, you know, different places, like who, where could he go? Like he could be like the bridge guy to the young guy. You know, like that could work. Obviously, like you know, if, if I was like Miami. Well, two was gonna. I even know it's two. Well, he's got the hip. Like, who would you rather have? Like Fitz, or would you rather have Cam? I'd rather there, have Cam. Well, it's not a matter of who they'd rather have. It's a matter of what's happening. He ain't going nowhere until someone gets hurt. Because if he was going sure. somewhere, it would have happened already. He doesn't well, yeah, want to be a backup. He's gonna wait. What I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying, if I was a GM of the Dolphins, would you rather have Fitz or would you rather have Cam? I would rather have Cam, and then cut Fitz. If you're, if you're, but again. It's the whole when is two. I don't want to get into it because, again, we got things to finish up with. But if I was Brandon Bean specifically, I'd be signing Cam Noonan right now to be the backup to Josh Allen because, and again, another topic for another time, which I'm sure sure we'll talk about some other time. If Josh Allen breaks his leg in week two, the season's over. Matt Barkley's not taking you anywhere. If you have Cam Noonan as your second quarterback, he becomes your starter. Season's not lost. So if I was Brandon Bean, you don't have to look any further than our own hometown Buffalo Bills here. I'd be signing him. But I don't no, think yeah. that's going to happen. Hey, yeah. I mean, they should. I mean, you know, Matt Barkley, get the hell out of here. Not happening. I agree. Yeah. Not happening, though. 
Another thing, Joe Rogan, $100 million taking his podcast. $100 million. $100 million for a fucking podcast that he started. Is going to Spotify. I don't even know if you knew this. No. It's going to Spotify in September. And then at the end of the year, it's becoming exclusive. Like right now, this podcast, when you have a podcast, anyone who has a podcast, you can listen to it anywhere. iTunes, Google, Spotify, whatever, Stitcher. He signed a deal that's going to pay him $100 million where you have to go on Spotify to get his shit. Videos and podcasts. Right now he does a YouTube video for a podcast. Probably gets four or five million uh, views within two or three days. Anyway, that's absurd. That, that's crazy. Have you listened to him before? I've never listened sure, to him absolutely. Before. I listen to him all the time. I don't listen Does to all have- the episodes because they go for like three hours. He talks for three, three hours. It drives me crazy. It's too long. Who does he talk to? Everybody. Comedians, boxing, UFC, uh, politicians, scientists, you, you name it. I mean, he's the standard in podcasting. He is an OG and he's by far, and I mean, he's not even close to the most famous one in the world, but yeah, bro, 100 million bucks. That's just crazy to think about that for doing a show. He does what I do. He just does a lot better and has bigger and better guests, but he does it. I mean, not entirely for a living because he is a comedian and he's a commentator. But still, that's just, that's absurd money. Good for him. I do want to end with the Sabres though, because again, hockey is probably coming back. We don't know for sure. There could be a setback, but the latest word is that even if it does, and even if they go to 24 teams, which is the rumored thing to happen, 12 teams in each conference, the Sabres are still not going to be in the playoffs. That makes nine straight years, dude. No playoffs. So you take into account that, the losing, the PR nightmares that have happened all over the season, the Bagulas not speaking to the media, fans wanting to hear from them, not happening, a very small group of people protesting, which was kind of stupid, but whatever, it happens. Here's my question for you as we end this. Is this rock bottom right now, the relationship between the Sabres organization and the fan base? Because I personally, and again, there's been a lot of bad Sabres teams during our history, but I don't ever remember a worse relationship between fan and organization than I do right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's horrible, but uh, I think we when we talked about the Sabres last time, I think we said the same thing. It's still rock bottom. So I don't know if it's gotten to be more rock bottom than, say, when the whole thing that happened with Dwayne. And that's, I think, when the last time we talked about it, like, oh, my God, this is rock bottom. And and now it's like if they don't make the playoffs, does it make it worse? I don't know, because I think if they had made the playoffs with the 24 rule, I think people would have been like, well, you don't really deserve to make the playoffs. I mean, it would have been fun to maybe watch, but are you really going to count it as a quote unquote, make the playoffs? Like in terms of like your own like history or, or anything like that. I don't know. Like the, the Sabres to me right now are, are, they're such an afterthought. It's, 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 it's such apathy right now. And I, I try to think if it is like the most rock bottom of it, it may not be because I think when you have a pandemic, like we've been going through you tend to like look around and go, okay, well, like there's other things in this world we have to worry about than if the Sabres are any good. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's, it's so maybe like it's not as rock bottom. Now, when things get back to normal and we see that they don't fire Jason Botterill or they don't make this trade, then yes, then we can start being super angry about them again, you know, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, they're, they're just terrible. I don't know how Botterill is going to stay there, but I feel like, Everything since the Tim Graham story came out about a month or so ago about their the the 
the financial issues that the team has. I would have said three months ago, if they missed the playoffs and were still shitty, Botterill is going to be fired. Now I'm not so sure just because of the economics. Like, do they want to fire someone to stay home for another two years and live in the, you know, they got to still pay him or whatever his contract was when they're, when they're pissing and moaning about having to pay, you know, waiters or waitresses at other places, you know, in terms of like paying their employees. So, you know, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, how that's going to work. I can, I can already see that my boy rock and Warrow will, will definitely paint a story of, well, it didn't work the last time when they fired someone. Continuity is king. And he'll, they'll spin something like that through their channels if they can. Let me say this. I want, I'm going to have this be my last take. We're going through a pandemic right now with no sports. No, Well, football wouldn't be on anyway. I know you don't care much about baseball, but I do. I'm, I miss the Yankees. I miss fantasy baseball. NBA playoffs going on right now. NHL playoffs going on. Golf. I love golf. There's just a lot of things to miss. Mm. I don't care if the Sabres ever play another game again as things stand right now. I hate the Buffalo Sabres right now. And if they keep Jason Bottrell for another season, the only reason why I, I can't say I'd be done with this team because I have a podcast that focuses on Buffalo sports. So I have to watch. I have to keep up to date. I have to have guests on. and I have to talk about this team, but I hate the Buffalo Sabres. If they keep Jason Bottrell, I'm done. I'm done. I will hope I will come on this podcast every week and, and want them to lose. Not to take to get a better draft pick, but I want them to lose just because I hate them. Just like I hate the Red Sox. I hate the New England Patriots. I hate the Bruins. I hate the Celtics. And I hate the Buffalo Sabres. How much do I you hate, hate them? How much do you hate the Sabres because you want a, you want a basketball team instead? I want a basketball team, but it, it, it doesn't <laughs> correlate with the other. It is true. Uh, I've said it many times. I said it. I, I said before the season started, the Sabres could go 82 and 0 and I'd still trade them away for a basketball team in a second. But one doesn't balance the other because that's mm. never going to happen. There's not going to be an NBA team in Buffalo. I know that. But this fucking team, dude, this, this team with the GM that they have right now, three years. Okay. I'm going to tell let me tell you why I hate them. The Ryan O'Reilly trade. We, everybody talks about that a million times. That alone is enough to fire a GM. You have a, a quality second line center. They don't grow on trees. We know now you don't get them in free agency. They're very hard to trade for. You had one, you got rid of them, and you got a bunch of shit for them. That alone, and having Phil Housley as your head coach, if you did nothing else, that gets your ass fired. Then even this past year, you go out and you trade. You give up assets, man. Draft picks, players, whatever. Colin Miller. Uh, Michael Frolic, you get these, they're in the press box. You're playing games in late February, March, trying to get into some form of a playoff race. And guys that you gave up assets for are sitting in the press box. You trade for Jimmy VC, complete non-factor. You give Marcus Johansson good money to be, again, a second-line center because you get rid of Ryan O'Reilly. Nine goals in 60 games. The cap situation sucks, so it's not like you can go out and, and do a bunch of things. And here's the worst part, and this is why I hate this team. We went through, we didn't have the podcast back then. If we did, I can't imagine the episodes we would have had. They would have been gold when the Sabres were tanking to get McDavid or Eichel. They get Jack Eichel. In my opinion, with respect to Gilbert Perrault and LaFontaine and all them, he's the most talented player, certainly skater, in the history of the franchise. Maybe the most talented Buffalo sports athlete ever. Not just hockey, football too. Maybe ever. Bro. Five 
years into his career rotted, rotted away. Dude is five years into his NHL career. This team is not, not only is he not playing in a playoff game, he hasn't even played in a game that meant anything in March. Best player in the history of the franchise in terms of talent, in my opinion, and you've rotted away five years of his career already with incompetent bullshit, horrible ownership, and a GM that was just in over his head, just like a head coach in Phil Housley that was in over his head. They're not doing anything about it. They don't talk to the media. Their relationship with the fans sucks. I hate the Buffalo Sabres right now. I hate them. Wow. I'm at the apathetic portion of the Sabres in my life. I just I just don't care. Like, I hope they do well. I, I don't hate them. I, I, they're just there. They're just like the, the plant that's like dying in my windowsill. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably throw it out. But eh, who cares? Let, them, let it rot. You know, that's where I'm at with the Sabres. You know, I care, but I don't. It's just, it's just, I don't even, I'm not even going to get, like, if they fire Botterill, what's the next move? You're going to trust somebody, the, somebody who's not Jason Botterill. I don't give a shit who it is. Okay. I don't care if you're well, the GM. The problem is the, the is like who's picking him. Okay, it's the same people who have a who have who don't really have. It seems like good. I agree. So I like agree. they're going to bring in some guy who is going to talk about culture and whatever. And I know maybe some persons out there going, well, they got the they got McDermott and Bean right or whatever. But I don't know. Like it's just like you're going to fire him, and then what what happens next? Like okay, great. We got to have we got to have Terry Pagula on the the interview trail once again, and maybe he'll have like. He'll have someone in the in his room to, to like bounce questions off. He'll bring Gilbert in and, and interview him with him together as a duo, you know, to interview GM number three or four or five or whatever the hell we're at now. It's hopeless. I feel hopeless with this team. I mean, they're not even close to being good. And again, they have a generational player in Jack Eichel and they have a generational talented defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin. Jack Eichel, five years, five years of his career and he has not sniffed the playoffs. Forget about almost making the playoffs. He hasn't even come close to making the playoffs. And again, your best player ever. Can you imagine? You know, I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan. Like, say Charles Barkley never won a ring. But you know what? Charles Barkley was in the playoffs every year. He was on a bunch of contending teams. He got to the championship once. Jack Eichel, generational player. Can't even get in a fucking a meaningful 72nd regular season game. Five years into his career now. Five years. I hate this team. I hate him. Well, you you said your piece, man. They suck. Um, <laughs> I said my I, piece. I did. Can I ask you one more topic, real quick? Go ahead. Uh, how do you feel about games being played without fans? I hate the concept of it. However, I feel like it's the lesser of two evils. If if my choice is watch games with no fans or don't watch any games, I'd rather watch games with no fans. It's certainly not ideal, and it's definitely going to be weird. Again, most people who listen are not wrestling fans, and I'm certainly not comparing wrestling to the NBA or the NHL or definitely the NFL. But you and I, as wrestling fans, have watched wrestling now with no fans, and it's very weird and different. It's kind of turned me off, to be honest with you. But if the alternative is nothing, then yeah, I'd still rather have the games. I've thought about this too a lot, trust me. Not even on a professional level. My son is going to be a high school senior. And their season down here in Florida starts in late August. I've been thinking about that every day. I'm very confident in Florida that there's going to be a high school football season. 
But like, are, are fans going to be allowed? In? Am I going to be able to go into the stadium and watch my son play football his senior year? You know what I mean? I might have to watch it on YouTube. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. But yeah, if, if the only alternative is to not have sports, then I, then sure, I'll watch it without fans. Why? What do you think? I can do that. I can watch it on TV without without fans. It would be weird. Um, I don't. It's weird for me right now because I'm I'm not I'm not in a oh my god I miss sports thing because of what's going on, which is weird. For I am. Me. I'm bad. Yeah, you seem like you definitely. I, I know people are like I'm. I'm entertaining myself by work and podcasts, watching movies and stuff like that. Um, I'm not that. Like, oh, my God, I need to watch sports or I'm going to die. Like, I'm not there. Like, I'm not there yet. Maybe I would be there if, like, the football season started and there wasn't football. Maybe I would be there. I'll say this. Let me just pivot to this question for you. We all know with the 50 states, there's states that have different, like, protocol when it comes to this virus. You know, Mm -hmm. right now it seems like Florida, Georgia, Arizona, they're more open for business, you know, to have people, to have, you know, stores are more open, wherever. What if in September the NFL decides, hey, we need to make money off of the gate and let's have all the football games across three different states and we can, we can, only, we can fill up with 20,000 people. There's six feet of social distancing. And one of those states happens to be not be New York. How would you feel about that? So, for instance, they would the Bills would play a bunch of games in Florida, and they would play like New England in Florida, the the Dolphins in Florida, and they would have fans in front of those, in front of in front of them. How would you feel about that? Would you feel that that's that would take away the competition a little bit because they're playing remotely somewhere else? And would you feel maybe that like let's just say it's let's just say it's in Miami, you know, it's Florida, and they're playing the Dolphins twice in Florida because of that, and you're gonna have more. I know that Miami not be, that might be the best because it's a Buffalo Haven, obviously. But let's just say it's a, a different team. Like let's just say it's the it's the Rams playing in Miami or something like that, where there's not as many expats down there. Would you find that to be a little bit like deflated of a little bit or unfair? Because if you allow, because that's where I could see them going possibly. Where hey, let's just let's just have these games happen in those states where you can get you could get paid attendance to go to those games. And you just have it in those states where the, there's not as many cases. And would you feel that that would be responsible too? Like in terms of like, you know, well, that seems irresponsible. Why are you doing this? Like, how do you feel about that? Well, I would, first and foremost, I would hate it for sure. And I'm not a patient person. And that's part of my problem. I can understand it. There'd be a lot of people out there who would say, you know, fuck that. I'd rather wait. Even if it takes a full year, even if it takes two years, I don't want sports until they're done the right way. I don't want that. And I understand the case for that. Me personally, though, this comes back to a, like I said, I don't have patience to wait and B, you just talked about it a minute ago, doing other stuff to keep you occupied. I've tried that. I'm out of patience. I'm one of those people. Maybe this isn't the best thing to admit. I need sports, man. I need it. So if my only option is to watch the bills play in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for nine games, against the Steelers or the Browns and it feels funny and weird. Yeah, I'm not going to like it. But if the alternative is thinking about when the season is going to start or all the other bullshit going on in the world, what our crazy ass president is saying on Twitter today and this and that and sleepy Joe Biden in the basement and politics that I try to get away from 
And I just seem to camp because again, I don't have the distractions that sports brings me in life. If it came down to it, yes, I still would do whatever it takes to get sports back on the field as soon as possible. Although admittedly, the smarter move would probably be let's just wait six months or let's even if we have to lose a season 50 years from now, it'll just be a little footnote in the history books. Right now, to me, six months seems like a fucking eternity. Okay. Good. I understand. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So that's a good point. You know what? Next time, I, next time we're on, we'll actually, I'll put some notes together. I think that's a worthy conversation. We'll have a really good conversation about that. And plus, you know, if it's a couple of weeks from now, maybe things will be at a different place. With I'm, some I'm, gonna, I'm sorry to do this to you because you're going to hate my guts. I'm going to ask you one more follow-up question. Would you go, if there's a game next month, someone gives you free tickets to go to a Yankees game or even like between now and the fall, would you go to any of these sporting events? Would you go in the I would not go unless there were specific restrictions. Are you talking like, is it Yankee Stadium in New York? Then there's no chance I'm going. Is it here at a stadium in Florida? Let's say if it's a 40,000 seat stadium and they're only allowing 15 or 20,000 people and I could sit, you know, not, I don't want to say necessarily six feet apart, but not people, a whole gang of people right on top of you, below you, side to you, the back, stuff like that. Then, no, I, I, w- I wouldn't go, but if I felt safer, a little bit safer, then yeah, I probably would go because again, I'm, I'm at a point, I'm, I'm almost... I know this is stupid and maybe ir- irresponsible to say, but I'm at a point where I'm almost to some extent, I mean, not recklessly, but I'm almost ready to roll the dice a little bit here. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. I, I'm in, I mean, I I, yeah, I, I mean, and again, because I'm in the, the belly of the beast over here in, in New York city with this crap, I, I don't think I could go as of like this year. You know what I mean? Unless, unless there's like zero cases or it's like, we're down to like like 20 a day or something like that or wherever. Like I can't, I don't know. It would be like, I, I think of it like, what, what, well, do I wear a mask when I'm at the stadium like the whole time? And I'm just wearing a mask. Like we're all like a bunch of med students over here. You know, I would feel like <clears throat> it would be like a re- recipe of like destruction in a way. Sure. And, and like, I can also you know, understand being coming. like, if people are going to do it, I don't want to be a part of that first group because if things go bad, I don't want to be a statistic at the end. Again, this is a really good conversation. Next time I have you on, we're going to talk about it. Or maybe even we'll do a, we'll tape a segment exclusively for the YouTube channel sooner and I'll get it up there. But I'll tell you what, we're going to end with that. One more thing too, by the way, not today, but you do owe me, man. You owe me. You owe our listeners of this oh, podcast. Oh, wow. I do owe you song. a song. Oh, you shit. Owe a, you owe a karaoke song of my choosing. We'll do it. We'll plan it for an, a future podcast. I'll put it out there so people know ahead of time. I picked the song. The bet was Buffalo Bills over under was two and a half for primetime games. I had the over you had the under. Obviously, it was four. So You crushed it, it man. Was, you crushed I it. Did. You had inside sources. You talked to someone at the Bills. or at the- <laughs> I did not, but you get your singing pipes ready next time. Do you know what song I'm singing yet or no? Uh, I'll think of it. I'll let you. I, I'll let you know because you got to prepare. I mean, that's fair, but it's not going to be a song you like. I promise you that. Oh, can't wait, dog. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode of the Talk of Buffalo podcast. Big shout out once again, my man Joe Buffalo Wins on Twitter. 
recurring guest. I love having Joe on. Never want to miss his words. Don't always agree with his takes, but I do respect him. So thank you very much, Joe. Coming up on the podcast next week, actually for the first time ever, a two-part podcast. Part one next Tuesday, part two next Friday. I got four of the best hockey minds out there when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres. And we're going to have an all-time Buffalo Sabres NHL draft. We're going through the roster all 50 years. Got John Vogel from The Athletic. Got Paul Hamilton from WGR. Got Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects. And I got Chad D. Dominicis from Die by the Blade. We did a two-part draft. Day one is going to be forwards and coaches. Day two is defensemen and goalies. It was a lot of fun. I've already taped it. Cannot wait to play that for you. So that is next week. Which, by the way, if you have not done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast right now. Rating review only takes you a couple seconds to do it. And I'll tell you what, it really helps me continue to grow this podcast tremendously. You can catch us on all the major podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of them. Talk of Buffalo podcast there. Also check out our YouTube channel, Talk of Buffalo podcast. Got Highlight clips up there. Also, some original audio content that you'll only find there. Not going to hear it anywhere else. Not even this podcast. Then last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I am there all the time. I always say it. Don't email me. Don't text me. Don't call me. You want to find me? Find me on Twitter. That's where I'll be. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really do. I appreciate it. There's so many podcasts out there. Every time I turn my eyes, open them, turn my head, there's like a hundred new podcasts out there. So I know there's a lot of competition. When you're locked into this one, it's really humbling. It means a lot to me and I don't take that lightly. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Continue to stay safe, please. Two good new shows coming up starting next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.